It's Macaron Covered. It's episode seven. No, it's episode eight. Eight. Episode eight. Ron, you go away for like two minutes and suddenly everything gets confusing. Uh, welcome back, Ron Filipkowski. He is my partner in crime, star of uh, Twitter, and uh, he is a kind of... What are you, Ron? I don't really know what you are. You're like a you're a Republican who who switched when Trump came in, and now you still kind of hang out with the Republicans. Is that right? Well, I wouldn't say I hang out with them. I uh, <laughs> I uh, I go after them. You go after. <laughs> there we go. The exposing. That's what it's all feud, about. Right. Yeah. The exposure. So that's what we aim to do here. Anyway, uh, I'm Anthony Davis. Uh, Trump's made a couple of appearances in the last week. The rally in Iowa, the town hall on Fox, where he went full fascist with Sean Hannity. It's it's I mean. There's a little smile on my face, and there shouldn't be, because, I mean, he, it is so dangerous what is happening now in this, you know, as, as the law starts to catch up with Donald Trump, it is becoming more and more dangerous because his rhetoric is becoming more and more fascist. And that in itself is something that needs to concern everybody. He's literally prepared to bring the whole country down, you know, the, the judiciary, the justice system, the FBI, he literally, literally wants to crash everything just to maintain his innocence. And the crazy thing is, Ron, he's not innocent. The guy is guilty in every direction. He's already shown that he's prepared to do that. He showed, imagine what would have happened on January 6th if Pence had done what he wanted him to do. Imagine the, the chaos that would have resulted from that. Uh, Trump knew that full well, and, but he didn't care because ultimately what he cares about is himself. Do you think that, um, you know, we're, we're getting to a situation now where any MAGA Republicans are going to recognize that Trump is getting more outrageous with his language and just because, you know, he was asked a question. <laughs> I think Hannity asked him the question, you know, what are you going to do about the economy? And his answer was that he's going to close the border. I mean, it's like, it's insane now. Like, there isn't any any narrative. He's not even answering questions as he should. He's just saying the first thing that comes into his head. A, a, a MAGA Republicans or any Republicans going to be like, you know something, this guy is just not the full ticket. Well, yes. Uh, I mean, another example is his, his question about that he was asked about Taiwan, where he was asked, uh, you know, if, if you're president, would you defend Taiwan? If Japan threatened Taiwan, and he he launched into a riff about uh, about uh, chips, about computer chips, uh, and didn't didn't answer the question at all. One time when he was asked about why the war started in Ukraine, he went off on a tangent about windmills. Yeah. So yeah, he's clearly losing it. Yeah. And, and I have noticed that the number of defenders and how strongly they defend him is very slowly shrinking. It's not, it's not, and I've said this many times over the years, it's, there's not going to be one thing that's going to cause the dam to break. It's a fraying of the carpet at the edge. It's a shrinking of the base very slowly. Interesting. Um, let's first talk about the uh, Michigan's attorney general who's filed felony charges yesterday against 16 Republicans who acted as fake electors for Trump in 2020, accusing them of submitting false certificates that confirm that they were legitimate electors despite Joe Biden's victory in the state. Uh, this is the AG Dana Nessel. Um, she announced on Tuesday that all 16 will face eight criminal charges, including forgery and conspiracy to commit election forgery. Top charges carry 14 years in prison i mean this is you know i mean there the, there's a british phrase that i've used before called bang to rights a couple of people wrote to me and said never heard that before they are banged to rights meaning that they literally the evidence is completely against them there's nothing they can really do here i mean you've even got video that you posted which we'll show of them knocking on the door saying no you don't want you don't want those electors you want you want these there's so much here you know and by the way i will tell you that the um that that wasn't their plan was to bang on the door their their original plan was to sneak into the michigan state capitol the night before into like an attic or a closet or something and sleep there or stay there overnight and hide in the Whoa. capitol and then and miraculously appear in the morning but but they were talked out of that um probably by a state legislature who was one of their allies right. so so they elected for this you know trying to sneak in the side door Incidentally, you know, there was a legislator in Oregon who did let 
some people like this in the side door and was prosecuted for it uh, back in 2021. So this this is a playbook that, you know, that has been done in other states. So I was following this fake elector stuff in real time back in 2020. I watched them formulate the plan. I watched it unfold. Really, there's two parts to it. The part number one was they were going to make the objections to the to the electors in key states, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia. And and what was going to happen was they were hoping that state legislatures would then refuse to uh, adopt the slate that was won in the election, saying there was fraud. Then this alternate slate of electors would already be available, a Republican slate with Republican signatures on the documents ready to go. And they were hoping that the state legislatures would reject the results of the election and instead send forth, as part of their certification process, this alternate slate. That was the game plan. It didn't work at the state court level. So when that failed, step two was to take the electors from Wisconsin and Michigan and to try and get the, these fake elector certificates to Mike Pence. And how they were going to do it was through Ron Johnson. It was Ron Johnson's chief of staff that approached Mike Pence's chief of staff and tried to hand off the envelope with the fake elector signatures to him. Thankfully, Pence's chief of staff, who I think was Mark Short, refused to accept the envelope and said, I'm not taking that. I'm not touching that. Take it back. And of course, Ron Johnson is like denied all knowledge of this yeah. and said, oh, I, I didn't know what my chief of staff was doing. I had no knowledge of it. That's right. So, he, he, so many layers of this. Then, then finally, and I don't mean to go on too long here, but no, there's the politics of this. You know, Gretchen Whitmer and Dana Nessel are rising stars in the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is thirsty for strong leaders that are going to stand up and enforce the law and be tough. And Gretchen Whitmer and Dana Nessel are showing that big time. Yeah. And I think Gretchen is putting herself in the conversation for, for president in 2028, or at least VP, and Dana to succeed her as governor of Michigan. Wow. Interesting. You know, as you describe the coup, because that's kind of what this is, it reminds me of like the Ocean's Eleven movie, you know, where like there's, there's this plan. And instead of robbing people, they're, they're trying to get this envelope to, to the center of government. And there's all these different people involved and they're, they're kind of being all ninja about it. And, you know, eventually it fails. Let me show this video of them knocking on the door, trying to hand over these documents and the police are having none of it. I'm not going to get into a political debate. I'm following order. This is the official sealed document that the certificate of ascertainment has also the GOP electors. They are here. They're trying to do their constitutional duty. I understand. And their constitutional duty requires them to be at the Senate chamber today at 2 p.m. I understand they're not being permitted in. If you have a problem, you can contact the governor's office, the speaker of the house. I mean, it's on video, right? So it's like, it's, it's not like this is hearsay. These are people trying to change the outcome of the election. On video, Republicans. Some of them are very high up in, in the Republican Party, right? Business people, lawyers, yeah, doctors, you know, all kinds of different professions. Uh, you know, they also love to film themselves committing crimes, <laughs> as we've seen many times. Yeah. You know, we've seen the Proud Boys do it. We saw Jan a lot of the January 6th people, you know, are prosecuted from their own cell phone videos. Right. You know, uh, that guy, Big O, was one of them. It was you know, filming himself in Nancy Pelosi's office with his feet on the desk. His buddies are filming him. They're having a great time. So, yeah, as you can see from that video, that's not a reporter filming that. No. That's one of the fake electors yeah. filming themselves. There's someone filming someone felonies. filming them. I mean, it's like they've got double the evidence that they're handing over to Jack Smith. You know, here, take yeah. me now. I, it, it, it's just beggar's belief that this happened, and it's two years since or more. More. And two and a half years. And, and still, I mean, I appreciate that, you know, the prosecutions are now coming, but I don't think that it should have taken this long.
Yeah, I mean, that was my my first thought, too. I, I, I'm with you here, Anthony. My, my first thought was like, gosh, you know, this, why did it take almost three years? And then I catch myself and go, you know what? At least somebody's doing something. Right. You know, at least Gretchen and Dana stepped up to the plate. and are, At least somebody's out there prosecuting them. What's going on in Georgia? You know, so so at the same I agree with you. You know, why is this taking so long? But at the same time, thank God somebody's finally doing it. And uh, Jack Smith is, uh, you know, whipping into action, isn't he? Um, Trump. I mean, there was Jack Smith's kind of played a a great move here because he effectively wrote to Trump to say he was a target in the special counsel investigation into the overturning of the election. Right. And who leaked it? Donald Trump himself. Always. Exactly as he did when they did the search of Mar-a-Lago and he leaked it. It was a quietly done, respectful, warranted search. And he announced that it was a raid on his home. And he announced it. The FBI didn't announce it. And here we are again. So I guess Jack Smith must have realized that Trump, if he received this letter, was probably going to go public with it straight away. And by doing that, it's kind of caught everybody off guard, including Judge Eileen Cannon. Yeah, I mean... The funny part is MAGA always says, well, Jack Smith is just releasing this because this is happening today. And he's trying yeah. to distract from that when in reality is it's Donald Trump himself that is le- leaking this stuff on yeah. these particular days. So, yeah, I think I don't know. It's either number one, he can't keep a secret. We know that. I mean, he can't ever keep his mouth shut about anything. So and number two, I think he just he's trying to get in front of it to set the narrative. He's trying to get his supporters whipped up so that when things happen, they're they're ready to go. And it's not a surprise, I guess. It's just the victim card, isn't it? Time and time again, the victim card, because he sees it as evidence that his opponents are trying to imprison him. You know, like Alexei Navalny in, in Russia, you know, with Putin imprisoning him. Right. This is nothing like that. Alexei Navalny never broke the law, right? Putin just put him away to silence him so he didn't want to have any opposition. Joe Biden has nothing to do with this. He doesn't run the Justice Department. And and ultimately, as we've seen from that video, these crimes have been committed and, and the trails all lead back to Trump. Let's talk about what Ron DeSantis had to say about this target letter. Yeah, uh, DeSantis can't figure out which how to get out of his own way here. He obviously had has had years to prepare for this moment of what he's going to say yeah. if Trump is indicted for January 6th. So so he I mean he's had a chance to carefully craft his response. So he, <laughs> he knows this day is coming. Yeah. So what does he do, what does he come out with? He comes out with a response that makes everyone mad. It makes the right mad, it makes the left mad. Yeah. Literally nobody liked this response, okay, except for people on his payroll, which his response is, well, you know, Trump could have done more to stop January 6th from happening. But at the same time, I don't think he should be prosecuted. So so MAGA is mad at him for the first part of the statement, and everyone else is mad at him for the second part. And once again, Ron can't get out of his own way. Let's take a look. Shown how he was in the White House and didn't do anything while, while things were going on. Uh, he should have come out more forcefully. Of course that. But to try to criminalize that, that's a, diff- that's a different issue entirely. And I think that we, we want to be in a situation where, you know, you don't have one side just constantly trying to put the other side in jail. And, and that, unfortunately, is, is uh, what we're seeing now. So there's, um, again, I have, I just... Someone had whispered this to me, so I'm sure I'll have a chance to, to look at this uh, in the future, uh, depending on, on the developments. But, but I would say that's kind of uh, what I was going to do. Okay, well, uh, thank you all. It's great to be here. To- totally unprepared, right? Yeah, one other thing, by the way, he wiped some more snot off his nose and wiped his pant leg after <laughs> that. So, I mean, I just, I like to point that out because he does it constantly. Yeah, he's a, he's he is disgusting, isn't he? I wouldn't he really want to look like underneath his couch. He's a disgusting person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the dilemma for Ron is, you know, and I've said this for two years now, if he happens to win the nomination, then what? Mm. Like, how is he going to hang on to these MAGA voters in November if he defeats Trump? So I think that that's why he feels like he has to pay lip service to them here, uh, because he's thinking, well, I need to hang on to them. But no matter what he does, he's not going to hang on to them. If he defeats Trump, 
they will turn on him. They will never vote for him. They will blame him for Trump going down. He will take the blame. So there's just, there's no win here. The only strategy that's viable is for him to walk away from Trump and to denounce Trump and to forcefully go against him like Christie or Asa Hutchinson, but he just simply won't do it. I've been watching a lot of Chris Christie, and, you know, he is, for all his faults, he's a relatively honorable man. You know, he sees the bigger picture. I just wish Republicans would understand that they would have a much better chance of representation, of decent, honest representation, if they just dumped Trump and went with Christie. Because, you know, I'm I'm not a Democrat. I, I you know, politically, I haven't really made my, um, made my mind up in as much as I certainly wouldn't vote for Donald Trump. But I recognize that fascism is not healthy for the United States of America. And that's what Trump's offering. And that is not what Chris Christie's offering. And Chris Christie, I think, sees the danger to the the whole fabric of democracy in the United States from Donald Trump. And I just wish that more Republicans would recognize that. But, you know, this lot are going to eat each other in the primaries. I mean, it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be a real fight, isn't it? For me, I equate this to um, like the savings and loan, the banking crisis in the past of like 88 and 2008 and, and also the inflation problem in 1980 is that sometimes a political party has to endure short-term pain for long-term gain. And you have to be willing to do things to fix the issues that might hurt you in the next election, but are going to help you for a decade after that. That's where the Republican Party is with Donald Trump. Yeah. The smart thing is for them to purge the party of the nutcases and, and of Donald Trump to take their loss in 24, maybe even in 26, but reset the party, recalibrate the party, bring in new voters and make themselves more attractive to new voters and cut loose these handful of nut jobs who have taken over the party. But they're not willing to endure that short-term pain. They they just won't do it. And I say like savings and loan, because sometimes when you bail out banks and, and savings and loans or or you do things to rein in inflation, the economy suffers or you, you go through a period of of um of pain. But but in the long run, you're it benefits you. And the Republican Party of today simply can't think past the next election. Do you think you know they recognize the importance of having a functioning democracy? No. Because you know that's the thing that bothers me the most and that's the thing that you know we at Midas Touch focus on. We are pro democracy, right? We we are not yes. democrats. We are pro democracy. It just so happens that the Democrat Party is the only pro democracy party out of the two and that's why we're you know aligned with with the Democrats at the moment. But you know I'm completely open to all candidates and to people representing the population properly. And I recognize that Republicans are not represented. Trump does not represent them. He doesn't even like them. He, he hates these people. And in fact, you posted a video that was really interesting from his, um, his rally in Iowa, where he was backstage, right, walking through the crowd with his Secret Service people. And there was a bunch of his supporters kind of in the way. And if this isn't a perfect example of who Trump really is, how much contempt he has for the people that support him and adore him and worship him like a god, then I I, I don't know what is. I'll show the clip and then we'll we'll talk about it. Oh, and I should caveat this with he doesn't know that he's being filmed. Right. I mean, Ron. Yeah. So I've said for a long time, many people have said that if the MAGA people maybe really knew what Trump really believes, you know, what really what he really thinks of them. And we know he has nothing but contempt for them. He he plays the game. He acts like he but he won't go. He doesn't go near these people with a 10 foot pole. He doesn't sit down and have lunch with them. He doesn't go out and actually meet the people he does quick photo ops, very carefully controlled and scripted, but that's it. He has no connection whatsoever to average people. So in this particular situation, there wasn't press there 
the person I got that video from is a Trump guy, is a Trump supporter who was walking behind Trump. So there's no cameras there. So yes, he doesn't know he's being filmed and he's, he's trying to go to a radio interview in Iowa. And he, he, I don't know that he was necessarily expecting all of these people to be in the hall there who are trying to, you know, get a selfie with him or whatever. But he stopped. You notice he stopped walking yeah. and he was pointing out to the Secret Service, get them Doing away Doing this from kind it. of flick thing yeah. with his hand, which... Yeah, but like, get them away. Like vermin, like get these... I want to show it again. It's only short. Yeah. I want to show it again. Just watch Trump's first flick and the way he's like shocked at the fact that Oh my God, I've got to come into contact with the great unwashed. Here it yep. is. He really is a disgusting, traitorous coward, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, if he's a man, a man of the people, like they say, like they try to portray him when he goes in these fast food restaurants. Why does he stop right there? Why doesn't he just keep walking and shake their hands and do selfies with them? You know, because he's, a, he's, number, he's afraid of them, first of all. He's afraid of these people, and he doesn't like them. Uh, he wants their money, and he wants their votes, but he doesn't want them getting close to him, <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you you see, this is like a Wizard of Oz moment where the curtain falls and yeah. you see Oz behind the curtain. Yeah. You know, this is really one of those moments that we get very, very rarely. I, I've gotten them before from people's cell phones at Mar-a-Lago and Bedminster, but they're very rare, but they are snapshots of the real Donald Trump. And so t to me, they're very valuable. Because he's very, I mean, he has a real potty mouth in private, doesn't he? He swears yeah. all the time. He's been, you know, people have reported that he's used the N-word multiple times. He really is a kind of disgusting, racist creature. And he, when he gets up on a podium, obviously he tries to stick to the script, but he kind of hides it and tries to play this kind of puffed up authoritarian. But in reality, he is a very lonely, angry man. Yeah. He can't relate to these people. I mean, he has nothing in common with them. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't do what they do. He doesn't go to church. He, he doesn't have the same hobbies and interests that they have. He has no friends. Um, I mean, that's he's had a thing. very insular life yeah. and lifestyle. I mean, he doesn't drive a car, you know, so many things. He's never made himself a cup of coffee. He's never been in a grocery store. Well, he thought and that you had to show ID to people. Do you remember on, he said, he said, if you're going to the, to buy groceries and you have to show your ID, and everybody yeah. was like, what? He, he has no idea. no idea. His whole life has been insular and, yeah. and, 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 and in a bubble. You know. Let's let's talk about uh, Ukraine for a moment because you know he's been making these appearances on Fox and various places, and you know he's been touting for months this secret plan that he has to fix the Ukraine war in 24 hours. You know, I know Vladimir and I know Vladimir, <laughs> the Vlads and the Vlads, and I know them so well. And of course, it's kind of he's exposed that he's knows Vladimir Zelensky well, or he likes Vladimir Zelensky because he didn't rat him out over the perfect phone call when he tried to extort him over digging up dirt on Joe Biden. We, we have a clip. I'll show the clip and then we'll talk about it because mm. this is just like, if this is his plan, then we've got problems. You said you could end the war in Ukraine in 24 hours. Yes, I How could. would you do that? Uh, I know Zelensky very well. I felt he was very honorable because when they asked him about the perfect phone call that I made, he said it was indeed perfect. He said it was, he didn't even know what they were talking about. He could have grandstanded, oh, I felt threatened. Well, that's not going to be enough for Putin to stop bombing no, Ukraine. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I, what I'm saying is that I know Zelensky very well and I know Putin very well, even better. And I had a good relationship, very good with both of them. I would tell Zelensky, no more, you got to make a deal. I would tell Putin, if you don't make a deal, we're going to give them a lot. We're going to give them more than they ever got if we have to. We're going to give them a lot. I mean, he's, he's who's he turning into? It's like Marlon Brando's sister. There's so much here to unpack in that clip. Take it away, my uh, friend. <laughs> one, one is, first of all, who made a big deal out of that clip? The Ron DeSantis campaign. Right. 
what? But what do you think they made a big deal out of? Not what you would normally think, not what a normal human would would make a big deal out of, which is the second part of the clip. What they made a big deal out of is the fact that Donald Trump said that Zelensky was an honorable man. You see, that's what they stuck in MAGA's face because MAGA hates Zelensky. Yeah. Zelensky is a you know Jewish Nazi leader of yeah. Ukraine. He's a fraud. He's a con man. You know, according to them, he has you know multiple million dollar homes all over the world and private jets that he is secretly you know embezzling billions of u.s dollars <laughs> the guy you was know, a jobbing that's, actor <laughs> that's their view of him yeah. you know tucker carlson's view of him yeah and so when he when he said that that was the first time trump has ever said that uh that Zelensky is an honorable man that really set off a little firestorm among maga and on the right like what did he just say you know so they were pretty upset about that part but you know, the, the, let's take the next part. Why is he an honorable man? Well, Zelensky is in any leader of Ukraine, is in the same position as the prime minister of Israel. In, in other words, they depend on the United States for their survival. They, they, they literally would most likely be extinct without serious U.S. aid, assistance, and support. Same thing, Taiwan, you know, you, you can go around. And so the leaders of those countries have to be very careful not to take sides in U.S. politics because they, they just, they don't know who's going to be the next president. They, they have to rely on the leaders of both parties, right? And so Zelensky, I think the perfect phone call was not a perfect phone call. And yes, Zelensky could have ratted out Trump back then and said, no, Trump tried to pressure me to investigate the Bidens, but he didn't. And, and, and he kind of demurred. He didn't say Trump was innocent by any means. He just said, well, you know, I really didn't think much of the call. There really wasn't much. You know, he, he sort of had not much to say. Well, he had more important things to worry about for he's, a time. He's trying to save his country. <laughs> yeah. He can't get in the, get involved in Adam Schiff and impeachment and all that. He doesn't want to get in the middle of that because it's not in the interest of his people for him to get involved. Mm. So I understand why Zelensky did what he did. I think he could have really hurt Trump had he not, but he's got to protect his own people. And diplomatically, you don't want to get on the wrong side of the leader of the free world as he of was Of course not. Yeah, I mean, he was in a no-win position. Yeah. So for Trump to kind of act like, well, the fact that Zelensky didn't rat me out proves I'm innocent, it is, I mean, it's so disingenuous, it's ridiculous. He, yeah. he knows it, but, but Mag is dumb enough to, to think, oh, yeah, you know, that's a good point, uh, which is utterly ridiculous. Um, and then the last part of it was what? Oh, that was the other part that really upset MAGA and, and probably upset Tucker Carlson and a bunch of others, which he said that he would threaten Putin to give more U.S. aid to Ukraine than even Biden was giving. And that's how he would get Zelensky, <laughs> I mean, get, get Putin to stop the invasion. Number one, he, will, he would never say that to Putin. <laughs> you know, and number two, I mean, that set off a fire because, you know, MAGA wants no U.S. aid. Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, Boebert, all of them, they want to cut off all aid to Ukraine. And here's Trump saying he would promise more aid than Biden is giving. Yeah. I mean, the whole, that whole clip, which is only about 30 seconds, is just ridiculous on so many levels. It, my, my greatest concern is that, you know, MAGA Republicans are on Putin's side now. You know, it was just a few people. You know, do you remember a few months ago, there would yep. be a few people and you'd be like, oh, you know, I'm not sure. It sounds like they're on Putin. They're all on Putin's side now. They've all pretty much decided that Putin is the, is, is, the, is the good guy and Zelensky is the bad guy. And this is also very dangerous because, you know, we had Marjorie Taylor Greene last week trying to propose a, 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 an amendment to remove the U.S. from NATO. Again, destabilizing or seeking, obviously it would never get through and it would never pass the Senate, but it just, even talking about it is destabilizing for the U.S. on the world stage. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and that, you know, Putin's ultimate dream, he said this 20 years ago, is to break up NATO. Yeah. I mean, that, that, if there's one, if there's two things that he wants to accomplish foreign policy-wise, it's number one, to separate the United States from NATO and to have NATO dissolve. And number two, to bring the Eastern European countries back within Russia's orbit and control, which he's accomplished with Belarus, yeah. trying to accomplish in Ukraine yeah. and other places 
uh, like Georgia, some of the Baltic countries. He, 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 those are his two foreign policy dreams. And he, and he wanted Donald Trump to accomplish the first part of that, which is to separate the U.S. from NATO. But I guarantee he did that at Helsinki, you know, yeah. at that summit when yeah. he went into the private room and there was only an interpreter there and Trump wouldn't allow any officials in. What else is Vladimir Putin going to communicate to Trump in those short minutes, however long they were together, is just bashing NATO and probably saying something along the lines of, you know, if you were the strong man you claim to be, then you would take America on its own and get away from the NATO alliance. I believe that the plan was that they had together yeah. was to pull the U.S. out of NATO in Trump's second term. I think what Trump told Putin was, I can't do it in my first term and win re-election. Hmm. I can do it in my second term. And I really believe that the plan was for Trump to complain all throughout his first term about NATO yeah. constantly, yeah. about how they're not, there's no need for it anymore. They're not supporting. They're not paying their fair share of the military uh, upkeep. All of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Lay the groundwork. Then Putin invades Ukraine in Trump's second term. Trump refuses to come to their aid or give assistance. And that ultimately causes the breakup of NATO. I believe that was the plan all along. And, and Trump lies about NATO all the time, doesn't he? He kind of can't quite, you know, talking about the fact they're not paying their fair share. But he doesn't understand that it's, you know, it's based on the country's GDP and therefore what they can afford to pay. And America is one of the richest countries in the world. Of course, it pays more, has the largest military in the world. Of course, it has to have more responsibility. I mean, it's just obvious. And yet he, yeah. you know, rewrites the narrative in such a way that MAGA Republicans will be like, yeah, if they're not paying their way, then of course they should. But, you yeah. know, what does he want? He, he wants tiny countries to pay the same as the U.S., He's a trans. He's a transactional person. He's he's yeah. looking at global security as a business deal, you know. But I, I think that that's all an excuse. But but really, really, the complaint is against Germany. I mean, really, right. the other NATO countries do what they're supposed to do, especially UK. Uh, it's not really an issue with any country except for Germany. Germany's always spent less than they're supposed to on defense. Uh, based on their their uh, GDP, their population, all that they they clearly can do more, mm. and I think that some leaders in Germany acknowledge that. So, I mean, that's pr probably where the complaint is. But that's not a reason to break up or dissolve uh, an alliance that's kept the world safe for seventy five years. And and Germany also, you know, Germany has a historical issue, obviously. That's right. Because it was formerly, an, you know, full of Nazis, and uh, they were the aggressor in the Second World War. So I it's mean, same in Japan. You right. know, and, Japan and, can do more in yeah. Asia militarily, yeah. but for the same reason. And Germany actually does a whole lot in other ways that, that yes. Trump probably doesn't even know about. You know, they're a very generous country in terms of the way that they welcome immigrants because of their geography, the where they're located. A lot of people come to Germany. And, you know, to all intents and purposes, they're, they are now a very powerful, functioning democracy, and they make great cars. So... You know, who are we to complain? Let's let's talk about Charlie Kirk for just a moment. Uh, just explain who Charlie Kirk is, because not everyone is going to know him. Uh, he really is yeah. the he really is the kind of I was going to say he's he's like the the ultimate nemesis, isn't he? He really is that one of the, one of the darkest characters in the MAGA movement. The Republican Party has for decades had a problem with young young voters. I mean, yeah. uh, attracting young voters. Part of that is the fact that, you know, colleges tend to be very liberal places, liberal professors, so a lot of college students generally tend to become liberal when they're when they're students. Um and, and also their their platform doesn't really do a whole lot. Their policies don't really do a whole lot for young people. So, so there's a number of reasons why they've always struggled with the youth vote. And right now, the Gen Z vote is a pretty big block of voters. And as the baby boomers are dying off, which is a huge voting block uh, that's right now voting a lot for Republicans, when they die off, I mean, it's going to be these younger voters that are going to step in. And right now they are trending very strongly Democrat, yeah. uh, even into their mid 20s. So 12, 14 years ago. They came up with the ridiculous idea of that Charlie Kirk was the person that was the best guy 
for them to start the youth outreach and to attract the youth folk. <laughs> they put the worst possible guy worst possible in charge yeah. of it. And yeah. so he started this organization, Turning Point USA, that basically goes around to college campuses. They form clubs on each college campus and they're battling the liberal professors and trying to register students as Republicans. And it's been a disaster. And he siphons off so much money from the yeah. party that could be going to people who could actually produce results. He's made millions, this guy. He, he's they, made they created a monster. He's made a lot of money. He's uneducated. He never went to college. He had a sugar daddy when he was very young. When he was like 19 or 20, he became friends with this really old, like 80-year-old guy, super rich guy who financed his operation and just wrote him big checks. And... You know, this guy's been nothing but a failure. Every election he gets involved with, they lose. You know, his youth, his outreach efforts are a disaster, but he's still uh, out there doing his thing. And he sells a lot of tickets to his road shows. I'll show the clip of people who try to get in, but he oversells, doesn't he? This is something you've experienced personally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is really interesting because... This is not just Charlie Kirk. This is Trump. This is this is a Republican thing, <laughs> which I, I've known for a little while now, which is they they if they they pay no attention to like seating capacity at arenas or events or the fire code, that's irrelevant to them. Yeah. So if they're going to do an event at arena that fits 500 people, they'll sign up a thousand, you know, they'll sign up, they'll sell 1500 tickets. They, they're going to sell tickets and take money from whoever is willing to give it. And what they do is, and I've been to many, I've been to Trump rallies where I've been stuck outside. I've been to like Marjorie Green, Matt Gates's thing where I got stuck outside and Gates apologized to me <laughs> that, that I couldn't get into his rally. Uh, but this is what they do because they just want, the, they just want your money. You know, yeah. they, they want your name on a voting list. And even when they're not selling tickets, they're still getting your email and your address and stuff to send you solicitations. So, so that's what they do. They just, and, and but I can tell you most of the time, Anthony, because I've tried to get fights started at these things. Like when I got stuck outside of Marjorie Green's rally and, and a bunch of us couldn't get in, there's like three or four hundred. I'm trying to incite them. I'm trying to go like, hey, this isn't right, guys. You know, this is this is terrible. We sat in this line for throughout two hours. Yeah. And we can't get in. And they would never take the bait. You know, people would just grumble and gripe, but but they would never say anything. And that always perplexed me like. Why aren't these people more mad? Well, because they're, they're in like the sheep. cult. They're, they're in the cult. You're not in the cult. You see, I've once seen, you're brainwashed, you can't. I've seen so many Trump rallies where thousands of people can't get in. Yeah. They're stuck outside because, and it's not the Trump people who won't let them in. It's the fire marshals. It's the event, the, the people who control the building say, right. no more is coming in. <laughs> so. let, me, let me show the clip of these people who right. are not very happy about it. Yeah, we want Charlie Kirk to come out here and tell us that after standing online for four hours in a 115 degree sweltering garage to be told when we finally get to the front that we can't come in. We can't see, there's a wall up, and we can't come in. And all the hundreds of people are back here who came from all over the country, and they won't let us in. Did they say why? No, no. But this is outrageous. I just spent a thousand dollars on my airline ticket to fly here from New York City. They claim there's no more seats. I'm staying in a hotel, and I can't get in. I waited for. She spent $1,000 on tickets to come from New York City, and then they waited in line for four hours in, in over 100-degree heat. They did. The I cult is so powerful. I showed a clip of them in the parking garage in line four hours before. They, they, were, they were not lying, and it was like 95. And look, this was, a, this was an event that was built, that was hyped for months in Florida, People did fly from all over because they had all the presidential candidates, except, right. by the way, Ron DeSantis was the only one who skipped it. Um, so so this was hype. People flew in. They got hotel rooms and everything, and they couldn't get in. And uh, so I think they just finally snapped. 
You know, they yeah. finally snap. I don't think they would have said this if it had been Trump and not Charlie Kirk. But I think, you know, it's easier for them to vent on Charlie. Because they feel Kirk. like they know him, don't they? They were saying, you know, get Charlie out here. Get Charlie. And that's really the whole thing about this cult that I've, I'm learning is that they, they, they project a friendship like Trump is their friend and Charlie yep. is their friend. And, and, and nothing could be further from the truth. And in fact, I want to quote something that Charlie Kirk said. Because uh, he is a racist, he is a white supremacist. He is one of the, you know, the worst kind of, of MAGA mm-hmm. Republicans. And this is something at that rally that that he said on stage. I don't have a video of it, but I, I just want to quote it. He said, three weeks ago, if uh, we would have said that Joy Reid and Michelle Obama and Sheila Jackson Lee and Katanji Brown Jackson were affirmative action picks, we would have been called the racist. Kirk said, right. But now they're coming out and they're saying it for us. The far-right commentator continued, they're coming out and saying, I'm only here because of affirmative action. Yeah, we know. You don't have the brain processing power to otherwise be taken really seriously. He added, you had to go steal a white person's slot to go be taken somewhat seriously. I think he said this on his, on his talk show, right? I mean... This was obviously after the affirmative action uh, uh, bill was, um, you know, thrown out by the Supreme Court. I mean, this this kind of blatant racism is celebrated amongst his supporters. And and what do we know about Charlie Kirk? He didn't go to college. He didn't do anything. He didn't join the military. He didn't accomplish things independently. He had a rich white dude write him a big fat check to start a business. Now, there's a lot of people who could do very well in life if they had someone that took care of their needs when they were 20 years old, like Charlie Kirk had that guy do. And Donald Uh, Trump with his dad. Yeah, and Donald Trump. And yet they're the first ones to complain about people who did work their way up from nothing and overcome obstacles and try and use their, their race as a weapon against them. Yeah, it's just, it's horrible. It's disgusting. Charlie is one of the worst of the worst. And you can see, how is that guy going to attract Gen Z voters for the Republican Party? But that's their guy. That's their guy who's supposed to win over Gen Z. And I say, great, I I love it. I'm glad that the Republican Party thinks that Charlie Kirk is their their man. Let's... um lighten the mood a little bit and talk about marjorie taylor green appearing in a rap that's video. lightening the mood oh okay. well <laughs> all right i know that when you posted this on your twitter you actually apologized to people for for posting it <laughs> what is it about r- rappers that want to kind of celebrate maga and and are singing about it or rapping about it i mean let me play it and then we can talk about it because you couldn't imagine this well, hold on, a, hold on a, one second go on go on i forgot to do this I want to give a plug to the to the woman who shot that last video. Oh yeah, a friend of mine, Olia from from Ukraine. She just had a baby. Her, I think her baby's three or four months old. She's from New York City. She flew down there to that to that rally to cover it. And the reason why she's so great is because those people will not talk to CNN or NBC or CBS like that. Yeah. Only someone like Olia can go in there who's totally neutral, nonpartisan, nonpolitical can get in there and get those people to say those things. So I just want to give her a shout out. I'm sorry. I no, no, that that's fine. Way. It's important to respect your sources. I get that. That's right. Um, okay, let me show you the, I'll show this uh, video of, uh, of Marjorie and you can have a swig of whiskey while it's playing. Here okay. It Sexualized and having transgender surgeries. Sexualizing children is what pedophiles do to children. MTG, Mega's MVP. MTG, Mega's MVP. MTG, Mega's MVP. MTG Magazine VP. Democrats get back. Boom. Reporters even get slapped. They spreading all these rumors because Marjorie be spitting big facts. Deep state in the left always hating. When they gonna let Joe up out that basement? Marjorie, I really love what you do. Be calling Ronald's out. No one does it better than you, huh? A real businesswoman. AOC's a featherweight. A southern bell, a little hood. Watch her shake and bake. Divorce? That's all y'all got to bring up. Yeah, watch her drain the swamp because she know they corrupt. Children, just fighting for our freedom. Just fighting for the Jan 6 is fighting good versus evil. MTG, Magas MVP. MTG, Magas MVP. I had to stop it. I can't play any more of that. It's doing my nut. Um, what in Lord's name is going on here? 
this is this is pretty interesting actually to be to be honest with you because i mean i can tell you i was active in the republican party club president all that for 30 years right so i know from going to all these republican meetings generally what you're seeing is old people white people right (laughs) you know at at republican clubs and republican rallies and meetings right so when donald trump wins the nomination in 16 i check out of all that and I stopped going to all those things, you know, because I didn't want to hear anything about Trump. So for basically four years, I didn't go to any meeting. Then I go back to my first one in 2020, 2020 during the election. I went to a rally, which was uh, Michael Flynn was hosting it, Roger Stone and all them in this area because I wanted to see what was going on. And it meant my first time attending a Republican event in four years. And who was the opening warm-up act for Gagio Blow, the rapper right there. What came out, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking, it's still all old white people, so it's the same crew, you know, except I see some proud boys, you know, over there guarding Roger Stone. Okay, that's a little different from what I'm used to. I'm not used to, you know, a dozen proud boys uh, surrounding Roger Stone. But then this Forgagio guy gets up there and starts this rap, and I'm, I'm like, stunned because... I could never imagine like under George Bush you know, or Ronald Reagan, a guy like this being his warm up act, you know, before his speech. So I'm just watching all these old white people because I'm like, I'm thinking like, what do these people think? And I, a lot of them are like, they kind of don't know what to make of it. You know, they're like, oh, I guess we're supposed to like this, but I'm not sure. So I, I think that for a while there's like this little flirtation with like the thug life element of MAGA. But I think that also most of them are saying like, well, wait a minute, this is a bridge too far. This isn't us. So I think Marge has really made a mistake by doing this. I think she thought that he's maybe more popular than he is among the MAGA base. He has a little bit of a following, but it's not as broad as what they think. I mean, this is the thing about there being no strategy, you know, like just throw as much shit at the wall as possible and see what sticks, right? And it's about making money too. It, yeah, I mean. right. There's always, there's always a kind of transaction involved in all of this stuff. Um, okay, let's talk about um, Ted Cruz. Uh, he hasn't seen the Barbie movie, but he's not happy about it. Uh, he is uh, siding with the Vietnamese government, which has banned the release of Barbie. Uh, because of a map that's shown briefly in the film that they say depicts a disputed dash line used by China to claim the, Ch- the uh, South China Sea. Um, I think it was Vietnam's state-run newspaper called it an offending image. Cruz calls it Chinese communist propaganda. Let's see the clip. Now, um, I'm, I'm the dad of two young daughters. This is you know, going to be a big movie, particularly for a lot of young girls. There's a scene in Barbie where, where there is this map of the world, and it, it's drawn like with crayon. I mean, it's really a very simple cartoon. And so they have this blockish thing that is called Asia, and then they've drawn what are called the nine dashes, which is this is Chinese communist propaganda, which the Chinese are asserting sovereignty over the entirety of the South China Sea. And they don't have any right to it under international law, but they're trying to take it away from their neighbors there, take away and and claim China's in charge of the entire sea and no one else, whether Vietnam or Singapore or other nations in that area, they don't have any rights to... to, to. I mean, what's he even talking about? It's just a movie, for goodness sake. I mean, it's... I just don't get it with that guy. I presume it's just like publicity. You know, he's like, oh, I haven't, been in the, I haven't been on TV recently, so I'll just say something ridiculous and hopefully I'll get some coverage. These guys like Ted and, and like Jesse Waters, the few that are just notorious, uh, who are constantly trolling pop culture, movies, um, products, music, music videos, the Super Bowl halftime show, commercials, constantly trolling pop culture looking for traction because there's crossover appeal. They understand that if they can start a controversy with Taylor Swift or with the Barbie movie or with Legos or, you know, Mr. Potato Head, they know that's going to get them on Fox News and get them some headlines and get them some attention. And so, yeah, Ted Cruz, he's been out of the news for a few months. He hasn't been able to get any notice. His podcast is probably the most important thing in his life. He, he loves that podcast more 
then he loves being in the Senate. Yeah. And, he, and he makes a lot of money off that podcast, by the way. He signed a, just signed a big contract, so he's always looking to promote that podcast. And so this is just him trying to find some way of stirring up controversy because he knows, look, the Barbie movie is the big blockbuster movie of the summer for families, you know, besides Oppenheimer, which is more of an adult movie. But this is the big pop culture. So he's just trying to find some way to pick a fight with the Barbie movie. And and I and some of the right wingers have uh, I guess there's like a trans character or something in Barbie that they've latched onto and Ted decides to latch onto the South China Sea as if some 13-year-old girl is going to watch the Barbie movie and go, "You know what? I no longer recognize Taiwan's sovereignty right. because of this map in Barbie." You know. But it's also the idea that the Republicans constantly pushing this notion that they are protecting young people by yeah. removing any material that is going to in some way kind of indoctrinate them. And and what that effectively is doing is it's removing exposure to anything that is going to make them think or to question or to even just to learn you know we we are sponges we we need you know this is why people go to university is to to debate and to analyze and to really test themselves and this idea that removing all books from shelves and because you know if anybody is stupid enough to think that a book about homosexuality is going to make you gay or coming into contact with a drag queen is going to turn you into a drag queen i mean it, it is just nonsense and yet they've made an entire kind of political movement is built upon this this garbage. And, and another big thing is uh, the race of actors. You know, when they when they have a person of color portray uh, a story, a cartoon character or a superhero or a historical character like, uh, I don't know, Marie Antoinette, take anybody. Yeah. You have a, an actress who's maybe half black and half white play that role you know they get all upset about that too um that's another big thing so for people who say you know we should never talk about race and we should be a, a colorblind society they talk about it constantly yeah. i don't know why they're so offended with by like a black mermaid but you know it really tends to bother them yeah because you know to be, to, to to not be racist is to actually talk about race all the time is to is to see people's color is to see people's culture and to engage with it, not to ignore it, to ignore it and to do that kind of that line. Oh, you know, I, I don't see color. That's racist. See everything. Engage with it. You know, it's, it's part of our humanity. It's so frustrating, isn't it? Because it's like these things are dressed up or they dress these things up as wokeness. And it's like, I'm so proud of my wokeness and being awake. You know, because all of us who grew up in the 70s and 80s, we have had to make some adjustments ourselves because of the way culture was back then. And, you know, it's I was lucky. You know, I went to a very multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-race school as a kid because I grew up in London, which is a kind of very mixed society. But for people who grow up in predominantly kind of white Republican areas, they are going to have to work a little bit harder, you know. In the same way that black people have to work a whole lot harder to not get shot by the police when they get pulled over. You know, you hear the term from them oftentimes like real Americans, you know, real yeah. Americans think so that offensive, real Americans. And that's what they're talking about. They're talking about white people Americans. in rural, white, yeah. small towns yeah. as being real America and people in places like London or New York or Philadelphia or L.A. multicultural. That's not real America, you know. Um, finally, let's talk about Donald Trump's um, infamous uh, golf game, because uh, as we know, he is one of the greatest golfers in the world, second only to Tiger Woods. Um, <laughs> he's, wasn't it his former golf buddy that said that he cheats at golf? You know, he, he said he was interviewed. That's right. And he said, of course, he's going to cheat at the election. He cheats at golf, cheats at everything. Who filmed this clip of Trump? taking a golf swing at one of his golf clubs and screwing it up so badly. Yeah, it was just a golf guy. Uh, I got it off a golf website. Uh, right. A guy had uh, posted it. Uh, he was just a golfer on the course uh, who filmed it. And he it was a little bit longer, but most of it was him, you know, taking practice swings and stuff like that. And, yeah. You know, the basically the guy was like, hey, there's Trump, you know, let, let's film him, you know. And so they were kind of like snickering and 
And then, you know, he shanked it and they just started laughing. <laughs> and uh, so I, I'm obsessed with Trump's golf game for a lot of reasons. Right. Uh, number one, he can't wear his makeup out there. So we get him like in his natural look. Yeah. And you see the the pasty face, you know, his girdle doesn't really work out there either. His lift shoes. So you kind of see him more in his natural yeah. element and his natural look, except for the hat, you know, covering up his hair. But, you know, the cheating at your Rick Riley is the one who wrote the, the book about Trump cheating at golf. Right. Um, he was a Sports Illustrated reporter, legendary reporter. That's right. I remember now. Yeah. yeah. And, and it really does tell you so much about somebody. If you're a golfer, you know, it's it's all about honor, honor system, enforcing the rules against yourself, calling penalty. It's like the only sport where you call penalty on yourself and cost yourself millions of dollars, which has happened many times. Many times a pro golfer will have an infraction that no one sees and they'll report themselves and disqualify themselves. Trump is not doing that, is he? Not in a million years. Trump somehow wins the club championship at his courses every year. He's the club champion. You know, somehow he supposedly has had seven holes in one. You know, he's supposedly what, like a three handicap. So, yeah, it's just I I like to post stuff like that to just show like that's all a lie like everything else. It's all fraud. Here comes the magic moment. shanked it oh my god i got that on video <laughs> so oh my god i got that on video should i show it again it was very short and uh you know i'll sun... say this too like yeah there are there are some clips like that maga really gets mad at me about this was one of them they really? they were not happy about this clip i got a lot of blowback over this one you should have you played a, a a better game here exactly. it is shanked it oh my god i got that on video <laughs> oh my god i got that on video i love how he had to pan right over to the right in order to get where the ball had gone straight to the yeah. right yeah <laughs> um i mean that was just something to kind of as a as a as a an amusing aside you know and I, I don't like to laugh too much at trump because you know the problem with these light moments because he is a clown, right? So therefore, we obviously, we laugh at him. And I wish the media laughed him off the screen, you know, back in 2016. I mean, that's what they should have done. And that's what I'm starting to do in a lot of videos that I'm making now is I'm, I'm trying to just ridicule him because he is ridiculous. And yet he's been normalized and he is, you know, he's been respected by the media, you know, actually taking what he says as read instead of going, what is he talking about? And so that's what I'm trying to do at the moment, because I, I recognize that that's probably the best way to communicate to MAGA people, that we're not dealing with a man who has any intelligence, any capabilities. He really is a, a, a moron. And, and, you know, it was a fluke that he got elected, thanks to Russia and, you know, goodness knows what else went on. Uh, the security services have written about it time and time again. People just still seem to think that he's popular and he's never won anything. There were a lot of Democrats that didn't vote for Hillary, too. I mean, right. let's they, right. they they stayed home uh, and yeah. in some key spots. Yeah. Uh, and James so Comey didn't it. help either. That was when, part of it, too. Right. Yeah. yeah. But anyone who's ever studied autocrats throughout history, whether it's Pinochet, Mussolini, Hitler, you know, you could go down the line all over the world, Pol Pot, whoever. They, there's a common thread. They cannot stand being ridiculed. They, they can never allow themselves to be the butt of a joke. Putin, too. You know, you crack a joke about some of these people, you're, you're, you could go to prison for yeah. making fun of them. They can't stand being made fun of or the butt of a joke. And that's why things like this, you say they're comical, but they're also important. They touch a nerve because when the autocrat becomes the clown, becomes the butt of jokes and derision, that's when he loses his his aura, his magic power over his yeah. followers. It, it, it very much is the, the Wizard of Oz, isn't it? And, uh, you know, he needs everybody to be on side, playing along for the confidence trick to be convincing. 
And the right. moment there are cracks in that armor, then the you know the true the truth kind of comes through. Um, I, just before we finish, I want to pick up on something that happened that when we spoke two weeks ago, and you and I have spoken about it since, because uh, we had a lot of comments about the fact that we were talking about the far right, and you mentioned the far left, and I said there wasn't a far left, <laughs> and and so I know you've been on vacation for a couple of weeks, so there's you probably tried not to think about it while you were relaxing and you do look refreshed thank you but but it's it's important that we we you know recognize that a lot of the comments referenced this and -hmm. you and i have spoken since and and i think what's important to mention and i'm sure you would agree is that the far right presents itself in the leadership of the republican party in donald trump in kevin mccarthy marjorie taylor green all the leading lights um you know, and some of them extreme, you know, the poor Gosards of this world, they really are like disgusting extremist white supremacists. But the far left, as you described it, I said, I am not aware of that being in the, in the, in the Democratic Party. And mm. I'm, I maintain that because the leadership of the Democrats are pro-democracy, obviously. They want women to have the right to choose. I mean, these are not extreme positions. Yeah. And and as far as I'm aware, there isn't a, an extreme left in politics. There might be f- some fringe activists or social media people. But so I'll just give you the chance to respond to that finally before we say goodbye. For yeah, this when, when I'm I'm not trying to both sides things at all because I I think that the far right is f- a thousand times more dangerous than the far left. You know, there, it's not even it's not even a question. And that's one of the reasons why I switch parties. And I agree with you. The far left, when I'm referencing them, I'm generally talking about a small number of activists who, you know, do things like throw paint at paintings in famous museums or or, you know, glue themselves to the middle of the road to protest climate change. You know, a handful of activists who do some wild stuff. Um, Yes. And the difference is those people aren't in control of the Democratic Party. Those people aren't in control of legislatures. The 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 far right are senators, you know, in the Republican Party. They're governors, they're presidents. Um, they control the party. And so that's what makes it so much more dangerous is the and why I switch parties is the far right hijacked and took over the party. I don't think they're necessarily majority, but they're a solid plurality of maybe like 40%. And that's the difference between the two parties. You know, I mean, the far left might be 5% of the Democratic Party, but the far right is 40% of the Republican Party. So, so I guess that's sort of sometimes when we have quick discussions we don't we don't flesh it out very well but that's really what i meant yeah i mean maybe in the future we'll we'll do a a deeper and longer discussion about it but i would say i mean i'm actually with the people that that glue themselves to the tarmac (laughs) right that's good and i don't consider myself far left and if you think back do you remember in the 80s when everyone was wearing fur coats not everyone i'm sure you didn't have one but i think my my grandmother was probably sporting one and, you know, the, people used to throw paint at these yep. fur stores and uh, these fur manufacturers. And what did it do? It, it got, it made the law, the law got changed and culturally it changed as well. It certainly got banned in the UK. I don't know what the law, what happened here. But people stopped wearing fur and now there's a thriving fake fur industry where no animals are being harmed. I mean, surely that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, in a way... You make a good point. I mean, troublemakers change the world, right? They they really do. I it's just for me, like I'm so so big on like civility and politeness and and all of that. That uh, you know, things like protesting at people's houses, you know, always rub me the wrong way. And and I get pushback from from liberals on that when I complain about. But in the street, not at people's houses. It. I mean, all but, that stuff about the Supreme Court justices. Those mm-hmm. people were protesting on a public highway. They weren't standing mm-hmm. on his on his uh, you know land or knocking on his door. They were p- protesting in the street on, right. a, on a public street. And yet the right. the right wing media made it look like that that the that Democrats were banging on the door and you know causing all this trouble. And it's like they weren't. This is their this is the right to protest. This I is know. democracy it, in action. And it's just what scares me is about those kind of things is that I study the right, monitor the right. And I know that the right is uses things like that as their pretext to do worse things right. and their excuse. And so that's what always worries me as I look at things like that and go, is that really going to accomplish anything? And what, how is the right going to weaponize it? 
So I, I do look at it from a different angle, you know, but, but I agree, you know, people like, you know, the civil, the civil rights people in the sixties, you know, blockaded roads. Uh, they did all kinds of stuff, uh, but their cause was just and, and, and what they did worked. Okay. I'm pleased that we got a chance to address that, Ron. I'm pleased to have you back as well. Um, uh, you, you certainly look rested and well, and, uh, and I look forward to chatting again next week. Have you signed up for threads yet? Are you, are you doing threads or are you sticking with Twitter? So many people have asked me about that. Um, um, so I'm looking at it, thinking about it. I'm, I'm very like judicious about spreading myself too thin and, and yeah. stuff like that. But, but yeah, I expect I'll be doing other things. Obviously I don't love Elon Musk. So <laughs> always looking for other alternatives. Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't love you either. No. Um, okay. Well, find Ron Filipkowski on Twitter. I'm on Twitter and on threads, the Anthony Davis. Uh, you can catch me every day on the five minute news podcast and uh, on Sunday hosting the weekend show. We'll come back next Wednesday at the same time for another episode of MAGA Uncovered. Have yourself a great week. Mm-hmm.